0: If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name's Ben, one of the pastors here. So glad that you're here with us this morning. I just have to say thank you, church. I mean, the, the prayers, the service, the generosity, what's been going on, it's hard to, to put into words, but just every day, everywhere I look, I see you, God's people, just being used powerfully of the Lord in our community. And, and we've been positioned to be a light right now on this island. In this dark time and uh, you know I just get brought to tears when I see all that God is doing and uh, every day I hear incredible stories of how God is using us and um, you know God's using us you know God created us mind body and spirit we're ministering to great physical needs emotional needs and spiritual needs right now on our island Um, and uh, you know as we Each one of us has opportunities to minister to someone. You know, we've been talking about this, but the the ministry of presence has never been as important as as it is right now. I mean, just to, to be there, just to listen. You know, the deeper the pain, the less words that are necessary. And the needs can feel overwhelming when you look at all that needs to be done. But you know what? You just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And God's using and positioning each one of His people to minister. And, and, and as Josh mentioned, we got to keep up the prayer. I love this 24-hour prayer room, and I can't tell you how encouraged I was Tuesday morning, because I was so tired, I begrudgingly went to the men's prayer meeting. And the Spirit of God touched me as these men prayed and prayed over me, and so I can't encourage that enough. It's the foundation of everything, see, because the Spirit of God is moving among His people as we cry out to Him for help. He is our ever present help in trouble. And you know, over the years, I, I keep what I call nuggets in my phone, just different things that the, the Lord reveals to me. And this is one of them here. If you know that you can't do life on your own, then prayer makes complete sense. And just the donations and the supplies that have been coming out, and the Kokua that's been meeting urgent needs to those that are in desperate need right now. The the prayers and the giving are making a big impact right now. And um, just especially for folks or churches you know on the mainland or or friends, everyone's, you know, how can we help? You know, we feel so far away. Direct them to our relief page. Uh, We're prayerfully just working on a three to five year strategic kind of plan because what's going to happen is the, the media, the government agencies, everything over time, you know, will begin to fade. But the churches of Maui, the Church of Jesus Christ is here until he returns. And so we want to stand in the gap to meet these needs in our community as God's been using us. And so it's just a great encouragement for those, uh, especially on the mainland or churches on the mainland. But, you know, as we've been serving you guys, it's been incredible. 19 days now, it feels like kind of nonstop. And if you remember uh, this last weekend, just the care and the counseling, we've been reminding of our staff, you know, uh, this isn't a sprint. It's not even a marathon, it's a triathlon. And so we must remember the immediate response and how we've all jumped in and we've been working so hard and we've got that adrenaline and if it hasn't already, it will begin to fade. And so we must not neglect the rest and connecting with God in prayer and His Word daily because that's our strength. To continue to serve him and at some level, every one of us has been going through sorrow, shock, trauma, so many decisions to make. I mean, all kinds of people are reaching out, right? And, and you know for me, trying to manage all that can be stressful. And you know one of my struggles and my responses to stress is emotional eating. Can anyone else relate? Yeah you know. It was my first time to go up country this week, and we've been praying for our friends and our community up there as well. And, in fact, um, Sean, the senior pastor of Waipuna, he uh, contacted me this week, and they've just been doing amazing work, and they mobilized their church. They did all kinds of cleanup, and then he called me to go, hey, I think we're pretty much done up here. How can we come down there and help you guys? And so we're driving up the mountain and and I'm taking the boys to volleyball practice and all I can think about is that chocolate cake at Kula Bistro. (laughs) Now, if you know Kula Bistro, you know they have the finest dessert selection on the island. And, and, you know, it's like it's so stressful and I can't stop thinking about this cake, you know, as I'm driving. You know, it's it's right here. You know, did you know this? Stressed is dessert spelled backwards. And... (laughs) And so I'm driving up the mountain, and I'm trying to leave all the stress of the day behind, and I'm thinking about that chocolate cake. And just as we pull up to Kula Bistro, I see that the lights are not on. And then I see the sign on the door. It's because of the storms and the power outage and the water. They're, they're not open right now. I guess the Lord knew I didn't need that chocolate cake. <laughs> but you see, here's the point. Your Christianity doesn't... Do we have that on the screen? I'm not sure it's frozen right now There we go. <laughs> your Christianity does not exempt you from your humanity. And on top of the sorrow and the grief we're experiencing this tragedy, it's magnified many of the struggles and the fears and the uncertainties that we already had. But you know what? God knows what you're facing, the grace The mercy, the peace, the truth, the love that we desperately need, they come from God. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message that we exist, Hope Chapel, to proclaim, is what we keep at the center of it all. You know, I love how Tim Keller put it in explaining the gospel. He said this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hoped. And so, for followers of Christ, you know, we go through difficult and challenging times like everybody. We face these trials and these tribulations, and we go through them, but for the believer in Christ, God has given us an armor to protect our thoughts and emotions. I mean, we have access to a supernatural peace, it says, that passes our understanding. And we have a hope that's anchored to our soul as we go through the storms of life. And so are you guys ready for a Bible study? Open your Bible, open your Bible app. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll begin with another prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather today. And Lord, we've come to this place. Where do we take our burdens? Where do we bring our cares, our worries, our fears? We bring them to you, Lord, and you take them. And so we ask that you touch each one, Lord. And as we walk through this time, Lord, we've all been impacted in different ways, but we hold on to you and we hold on to your word. We hold on to each other. And so Holy Spirit, come and touch each one. Give us one heart, one mind as your people called, Lord, by you to this place right now to worship you, to learn from your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. It says this. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And, you know, this week, verse 13 just popped out to me like never before in my life. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground You got to understand the Bible does not sugarcoat the human experience Jesus said in this world, you'll have trouble tribulations, but take heart. I've overcome this world and It's clear throughout the scriptures that there's days on this earth where we experience unspeakable tragedy and evil You know, I read a Bible commentary on verse 13 that said, Nothing is so certain as the unexpected. And for these reasons, because the evil day will certainly come, because it may come at any time, and because it most likely comes when we're not looking for it, we must be prepared. And here in this letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul describes the spiritual battle or spiritual warfare that every believer in Christ is engaged in, whether they know it or not. And he calls it a struggle. I mean, can anyone else relate to the struggle? Life is not struggle-free. And the word struggle here Indicates a hand-to-hand combat, an idea of a struggle of wrestling and swaying. Locked in, in, in this wrestling, The spiritual battle, you see, is a personal battle for every believer in Christ. It says that this struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's supernatural, defined as relating to an order of existence beyond the visible, observable universe. And so, other words, as followers of Christ, we're in a struggle. But who's this struggle against? Not other people? Not the government? Not a political party? Says we're at war against demonic forces opposed to God that want to steal, kill, and destroy, that want to deceive, and lead people away from the truth. That's why John tells us up front, 1 John 4, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And interesting, the word spirit used here refers to not only human spirits or supernatural spirits like angels or demons, but also attitudes or dispositions like a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear can come on you. God's Word says that's why perfect love casts out fear that God has given us everything we need in this struggle. But not a lot of recognition or thought often is given to the spiritual realm, and we often don't consider that even maybe a certain feeling or emotion that's trying to sabotage our spiritual life. I mean, thoughts of worthlessness or fears, condemnation, these are thoughts that are backed by a spirit that's not from God. That's why the evil one, Jesus said, his plan is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and life abundantly. And the Bible clearly teaches our three sources of conflict as Christians come from the world come from our own flesh, and the devil, are, we've been born with this, this fallen nature referred to as the flesh. You see, the human condition, apart from God, sinful, self-focused, self-glorifying, and, you know, we've seen this huge contrast in this tragedy. I mean, on one hand, there's been this outpouring of support and generosity. I mean, we cry when we see the incredible efforts And then, have you noticed the opposite? There's some horrible, evil things happening, scams, theft, people trying to take advantage of others in the middle of a tragedy? And this is the contrast between the works of the Holy Spirit and the flesh. I mean, it's so obvious that we have an enemy of our souls Satan, the enemy, the evil one, the devil, different names given to Lucifer, the fallen angel and enemy of God and his people, and his mission is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and life abundantly. And so we have to understand the spiritual realm. First John says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. See, we live in this fallen world. This, this, this world is not heaven. And the system of this world, the current of this world, runs against the ways of God. Everything in this world is not perfect, is not good. And you can wonder, well, how is it ever going to be made right? God, when what, what are you going to do something? And I want to tell you, God's going to do something. He's going to come back. He's going to make it right. That's the hope that we have in the second coming of Christ. You see, in the beginning, it was perfect in the garden, perfect relationship with God and man. And man's sin broke that perfect relationship with God and man. Sin, the curse of sin, entered the world. That's why each one of us has been born with a sin nature. But that's why Jesus came to this earth, and he lived the perfect life, and he died on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. And so right now, we live in what I like to call this little middle period between the first and second coming of Christ. And so our mission as a church and the people of God is to continue the work of Christ that he started and commissioned us until he returns to be his hands and his feet. And as we do that, we're in a struggle. That's why Second Corinthians 2 tells us to not be unaware of the enemy's schemes. some commentary just to understand the enemy's schemes it says the devil has various schemes discouragement frustration confusion moral fail- moral failure and doctrinal error he knows our weakest point and he aims for it and if he cannot disable us by one method he will try for another and that's why it's so important like Ephesians 6 here tells us, our anchor passage, the reality of the spiritual realm in battle, but how the people of God can stand firm, and in particular, how our thoughts and emotions can be protected. So, what do we need to understand about protecting our thoughts and emotions? First is this, spiritual warfare is not a struggle against power, it's a struggle to stay in the truth. You can get caught up in this idea that it's a a power-against-a-power struggle. But that's not the picture we're given in the Scriptures. The picture is we're dealing with truth, we're dealing with our minds, we're dealing with our lives that are surrendered to God so that we don't get caught off guard by the schemes and the lies and the deceitfulness of the enemy. It's not a power struggle. I mean, if you put Satan up next to Jesus, I'm telling you, he doesn't even show up on the scales. And that's why John tells us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But where the power comes from, speaking of the evil one, is to deceive in the authority that he has been given for a set amount of time over this fallen world and unbelievers. And that's why you cannot believe the truth without rejecting the error. And the struggle is to stay in the truth, the truth about who God is, the truth of our need for him, the truth of who we are in Christ. And then we have the truth about our enemy. The only power the enemy has over the Christian is what you give him. That's why we're instructed to not give the devil a foothold. And I love what Craig, our founding pastor, taught us. You see, because the devil starts with a foothold, then a handhold, and then a chokehold. But in Christ, we have the victory, and the enemy's strategy is to just not make you feel very victorious. He can't change the score, but he can work to make it feel or seem like you're losing. But the truth about our victory is that we've been given everything in Christ that we need to stand against the devil's schemes. And so to teach the believers about this battle, this struggle, this spiritual warfare, the Apostle Paul, who was imprisoned for preaching the gospel and chained to a Roman soldier, most believe is teaching by looking at the pieces of armor on that soldier that was next to him who had a breastplate, and Paul calls it a breastplate of righteousness. And no Roman soldier in his right mind would ever go into battle without his breastplate. A breastplate covered two vital areas, the heart and the stomach, or the bowels. And symbolically, to the Jewish audience, the heart represented your thinking and your mind. That's why Scripture says stuff like, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. And the stomach represented our emotions. And we know that. It's like we see what's going on. It's like we feel sick to our stomach. And so we draw from the imagery here that Satan wants to attack believers in two areas primarily. One, in their thinking, and two, in their emotions, in the way they think, the way they feel. So how do you protect your thoughts and emotions? Number one. Don't believe everything you think. You guys catch that? Don't believe everything you think. Did you know the average person has 70,000 thoughts a day? Just because you think something does not mean it's true. Many of the thoughts that cross my mind and your mind are not truth. Our mind is the battleground and you realize that you can't control all of the thoughts that come into your mind, can you? But you can control how long they stay there. The front line of the spiritual struggle and spiritual battle starts in the mind. And the breastplate of righteousness covered that front of the body, those vital organs, our thoughts. And it's telling us that the righteousness of God protects our thoughts from the negativity, the evil, the doubt, the lies, the fear, and the confusion. And so it tells us in verse 14, part B, with the breastplate of righteousness in place so that no matter the accusation, the doubt, the fear that tries to wound you, you can stand firm against that attack. It's covering your thoughts. See, the life of Christ in the believer cannot be wounded because we're given the righteousness from God. Because often these accusations, doubts, lies, fears, they're related to maybe some past failure, maybe a mistake we've made, maybe something that happened to us that we had no control over, or a fear that we have about the future. Maybe you've been flooded with these kinds of thoughts or doubts or your own worthiness You have the breastplate of righteousness to protect your heart and your mind. And I love how Pastor Ray Steadman explains the breastplate of righteousness. He says this, Christians, through one circumstance or another, often lack assurance. They feel unworthy before God. They feel they're a failure in the Christian life and that God is certain to reject them and he's no longer interested in them. As Christians, we're constantly aware of our failures and shortcomings. Growth seems to take place so slowly. The first joy of faith has faded, and people often come to doubt God's presence with them, his love for them, or forgiveness of their sin. There's a nagging sense of guilt, and their conscience needles them, making them feel unhappy and miserable. They feel God blames them, and this is simply a satanic attack a crafty and devilish accusation, a lie designed to undermine what God is doing in your life. How do you answer an attack like this? You answer by remembering that you already wear the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, you do not stand on your own merits, and you never did. You never had anything worthwhile in yourself to offer God. You gave all that up when you came to Christ. You quit trying to be good enough to please God. You came to God, the Father, on the infinite merits of his Son, who died for you. It is not your own miserable, tattered righteousness that covers your heart, but the solid, impenetrable righteousness of Jesus. And his righteousness is durable enough to deflect any of the arrows of Satan's accusations. See our thoughts are critical on the front lines of this spiritual struggle. You know, uh, Craig Rochelle says, "Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts." Paul the Apostle in Romans 12 says, "That's why don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may then be able to prove what is good, acceptable, the perfect will of God." And so we don't have time to go in depth on every part of the armor, but you need to understand that for the Roman soldier, the belt, which Paul calls the belt of truth, was the actual piece of the armor that held everything else in its place. And so they always had the belt, and that's mentioned there, because then it held the breastplate of righteousness in its proper place. And what that means is truth comes first. Very practically, that God, what God says about us then by faith we receive knowing that his righteousness, his word is true. You know, someone uh, described the process of, of spiritual growth as simply replacing lies with God's truth. And that's why the enemy wants to snatch away the word of God from your mind and fill it with lies, fill it with perversion, garbage, You got to be careful what you allow in through your eyes and your mind, especially right now. I mean, we've been talking about this. The social media, the media overconsumption is so dangerous, and you have to pay attention every day to the voices and the input of your life. You know, there was a time when I was um, going to the gym and working out, and... I don't know if you noticed, it's not right now, but... (laughs) But uh, I used to listen to Apple Radio Top 40 Hits. And so as you're working out, you're just kind of mindlessly, you know, good beats, catchy songs, you're just sweating, and, you know, you begin singing along, you don't even know what song you're singing, and, you know, it's just these songs that keep coming in, and you're there, and, and, and one day I realized, I started singing along out loud with my headphones in. I get high all the time. Just to get you off, Mama. Uh-uh, uh-uh-uh-uh. And then I listened to what I was singing. I'm going, what am I singing right now? <laughs> I hope you don't know that song. <laughs> See, you never want to let the noise of the world around you drown out God's word in you. You gotta be so careful what you're allowing in your ears and your eyes. This is why daily prayer and silence and scripture worship, they're the lifelines to our spirit and our lives. This is one of the reasons we gather every week as the people of God to worship and to fellowship and to hear God's word, to encourage each other in the faith, to worship Jesus, to set our hearts and our minds on him because it's a struggle that each one of us are engaged in. I love what Wayne Cordero says, wisdom and understanding are not built in a day. However, they are built daily. So how do you protect your thoughts and emotions? You don't believe everything you think. Secondly, you look to your emotions to be gauges and not guides. And We touched on this a little bit last week. They're meant to report to you. You need to pay attention to what's going on. But they're not to dictate everything to you because our emotions are wired both to our fallen nature and to our new nature. And that's why sometimes you can have a thought that's a temptation that can seem like an imperative that you have to do this. But it's not. It's an indicative That's what you're being told to do. By by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can recognize the lies of the enemy, the deceit that's trying to live in your head. You know, I have feelings and emotions that try to direct me to do things that I know are wrong. And you might think to yourself, well, how could something that feels so right be wrong? And that's when the radar needs to go off. Jesus, when he was tempted in the desert to fulfill legitimate needs, answered the enemy with God's word. And this is why we train our minds to think on truth, that we got to know who we are in Christ and that we must be bold in asking God for help and protection and provision to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to put on the full armor of God. And when we fall, because you know what? We all fall, don't we? And when we fall, we get right back up and we go to Jesus. Second Corinthians 10:5 says, "We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive, every thought, to make it." Obedient to Christ, because we all have those thoughts and those impulses. We're human. Jesus himself, as a man, was tempted. Don't feel guilt or shame over being tempted or these thoughts that just somehow appear in your mind. That's a part of the human experience. But then, as believers, we've been empowered by the Spirit to take captive those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. We've been given this armor. To protect our thoughts and our emotions, it's not free-roaming in our thought life. You got to direct the traffic of your mind. You got to be on guard. And the moment those thoughts that are coming that are contrary to God and His Word, I mean, you send them out because you'll have thoughts of fear, past failures. You'll be reminded of your weaknesses, your insecurities, your inadequacies, and that's the enemy. That's the evil one. And so recognizing that and in God's power and strength, sending them out, that's all a part of wearing the breastplate of righteousness. So how do you protect your thoughts and your emotions? Do not believe everything you think. Look to your emotions to be a gauge, not a guide. And thirdly, daily reflect on the gospel. Because with every attack on our thoughts and emotions, we can return to the truth of the gospel. You see, we get our sense of worth from the opinion of the person we value the most, and if that's not God, it will create chaos in us. Who God says that you are. And I learned this exercise from pastor and author Jeff Vanderstelt, and he was the one that Our pastor of Care and Counseling, Derek LaFontaine, served alongside before coming to us here at Hope Chapel, and he just has this practical exercise how you can remind yourself every day of the gospel truth by asking yourself three simple questions. And I'm just sharing what I wrote to these three questions, but the three questions you just ask yourself is who is God, what has he done, and who am I? I just wrote down, God loves me. He's all-powerful. He's creator. He's creator. He sent Jesus to die and pay the penalty for my sin. That means I'm forgiven, and I'm a child of God, and I'm a new creation. And you can remind yourself of this every single day. The breastplate of righteousness is God's own righteousness that he's given freely to all who confess and believe in him, and it's not something that can be earned. It's by grace through faith you're saved. And we're commanded to put on this breastplate. And that means we did nothing to earn it, but it's something that we're called to walk in. And it's a response to who God is, what he's done. Second Corinthians 5, it tells us, God, speaking of Jesus, made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so, putting on this breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of God, when we first believed you've been justified, God has given you this breastplate. And each day, it's your daily practice to walk in it. The only way that we can be righteous and have this protection of our thoughts and our emotions is because of Jesus. Tim Keller also presented a chart that just compares this kind of the religious outlook and the gospel outlook, where in the first statement he shares how the religious worldview thinks, and the second, how the gospel-centered person would think. And I want to walk you through a few of these. It says, religion says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. The gospel says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. Religion says motivation is based on fear and insecurity. The gospel says motivation is based on grateful joy. Religion says I obey God in order to get things from God, and the gospel says I obey God to get God and to delight and resemble him. Religion says when circumstances in my life go wrong, I'm angry at God or myself since I believe, like Job's friends, that anyone who is good deserves a comfortable life. And the gospel says when circumstances in my life go wrong, I struggle, but I know all my punishment fell on Jesus and that while he may allow this for my training, he will exercise his fatherly love within my trial. Religion says when I'm criticized, I'm furious or devastated because it's critical that I think of myself as a good person. Threats to my self-image must be destroyed at all costs. The Gospel says, when I'm criticized, I struggle, but it's not critical for me to think of myself as a good person. My identity is not built on my record or my performance, but on God's love for me in Christ, so I can take criticism. You know, the last 19 days have been incredibly difficult. And, you know, when you bump into people at Safeway or around town, you know, I stopped trying, and I'm, I'm, I'm I, you know, I don't get it right all the time, but I've stopped just asking people, hey, how you doing? Because I realized I don't want them to ask me that because I'm just not sure yet. But First John 3.20 says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything and that God will never abandon you in your anger. He will never abandon you in your grief. He will never abandon you in your tears, that God will never abandon you in your doubts. And in fact, what he does is he identifies with us in our suffering. I mean, Jesus knows what it's like to love in the middle of pain. It's called the cross. He knows what it's like to keep on loving in the midst of great suffering. And we know this in Romans 5, 8, says God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so you're never too lost where the grace of God cannot find you, that the hope and the healing is found in that relationship with God, the protection that we need for our thoughts and our emotions is a gift of God, which he supplies to all who believe? Do you believe? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Because the source of all comfort and hope, the healing that can begin is found in that relationship with God. And so with every heart bowed and we close in prayer, if that's you and you've maybe known about God, maybe come to Hope Chapel or other churches before, but you, for the first time, understand God's love for you and your great need for Him, you can invite Christ into your life. You can speak this prayer out loud or from your heart and mind, God knows. Say, Jesus, I invite you right now to come into my life. Go ahead. Please forgive me, God, for all my sin. Thank you. We're dying on the cross for me right now i ask you to be my lord and my savior i ask for your help that you would come and meet me in this place of sorrow and pain he hears every prayer And, Lord, I just think of each one gathered, each one, Lord, a part of your family across this island. That you, Lord, unbeknownst to us, as this tragedy has fallen upon our island, have positioned us to be that light, to bring that hope and that healing. So, Holy Spirit, we look to you. Guide us we hold on to that truth and that breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, Lord, the sword of the Spirit, this helmet of our salvation, the feet that have been shod with the readiness, Lord, to share your truth that in your way and in your time that you'd use us, Lord, here right now. And that you'd bring comfort to your people, God that you, the God of all comfort, would pour into each heart. And so we give you praise in this place, Jesus. And in your name we ask all of this. Amen.